Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to episode two of Priority Roll and today I'm joined by Matthew Goldsborough to talk about Seraphon. Matthew, how are you? Hello, yeah, good, thanks. Um, yeah, really good. Uh, although I did just lose a game of Seraphon, so let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, well, what, what list were you running? Uh, I was running your list, actually, Dan. <laughs> well, well, so... <laughs> imitation, the sincerest form and all that. Yeah. How did you find it? Um, I, I found it, it, it was like a taste of um, of power that um, I guess I'd never experienced in the Seraphon book before. Raw power, the kind that, you know, you get in other books. But uh, I just, I didn't have the mastery. I didn't have the... Uh, <laughs> to be honest, the first well, few times I played that list, <laughs> there was yeah. no mastery this end either. So don't worry. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a tough old, it's, it's a tough list to, list to get to grips with at first, to be fair. It yeah. is, it is. Because, you, you know, you lose the pterodons and you're like, oh, <laughs> what, what do I do then? <laughs> but yeah fair one well we're not here to talk about pterodons sadly nope. we're here to talk about you and your list so the reason why uh, you've joined us on priority role is because you're a little bit of a dark horse yourself with seraphon because you uh you, you did fairly well at blood and glory didn't you were you not fifth yeah uh blood and glory very interesting event um <laughs> i got a lot of weird weird matchups of blood and glory that i didn't expect it was, it was an interesting event for like what the field was and like i guess the state of the meta and um so i wasn't surprised that i did as well because of the meta but i was surprised because of the matchups yeah does that make sense <laughs> yeah no i think so well let's let's expand on that in slightly more detail as we go on but how would you describe your your game start as a player first um yeah i i mean i like uh <laughs> depends what mood i'm in i either like armies that are like smash and you know fire and forget so like uh Eidneth, uh, slanesh um or i i I like armies uh, that are really intelligent and have a lot of synergy. And um, I guess that's where Seraphon come in. I've been playing Seraphon since, well, no, I guess I've been playing Lizardmen since Old Fantasy. And they've always had a lot of tricks. They've always had a lot of, uh, you know, I guess denial strategies and um, little things that people don't expect. And people still don't expect, which is great in the current meta, because it's sort of the only thing that keeps them really in the game. Um, well, they're quite so an I'm... underrepresented faction, actually. So yeah. what they, not only do they have some sneaky tricks up their sleeves, but people aren't used to seeing those sneaky tricks anyway. So No, no, no. Um, people are very, I think, I always I always get people like, what does that do? And, you know, uh, oh, um, oh, I haven't played these in years. And it's... that You, you can't underestimate that, really, as in a, in a competitive situation. That's a... That's a a massive advantage like because your opponent just will not be expecting you to do some of the things that you can do hmm. like, like shadow strikes a great example if you tell your opponent yeah. they can drop three away and then move and and yep. theoretically you know let's <laughs> say a unit 12 pterodons can do mortal wounds after that people it really throws people and i've yeah, seen opponents on. so richard mccauley from uh, just play mm-hmm. when we played at uh, bloodshed in the shire on game three on the um honest wargamer stream I, yeah. I i told him about the army and he sat there kind of like you know stroking his chin think like and you could see him visibly kind of thinking like right okay this is new how am i gonna get around and you could see like he kind of almost like the cogs cogs whirring like him him trying to like work out like positioning and screening and what yeah, does that mean to... and the, trying to analyze it on the go and it's if you present your opponent with a problem like that like a mental problem right up front then they're spending lots of mental energy trying to think about how to outthink your army and outplay your army and yeah. not necessarily thinking about their own game plan which is a bit yeah. sneaky but like that's why new armies often do yeah. quite well yeah definitely it's the it's the um the it's the unknown isn't it mm. people don't know what to do it's it, it, and then they they spend time thinking about it and then they make mistakes elsewhere that you can then you know 
exploit. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. capitalizing on your opponent's mistakes is a is definitely a huge part of Age of Sigma. I think uh, you've got to re- be really ruthless and going for the kill. There's no there's no kind of uh, there's no shame in that. Yeah. If your opponent's arming and arming about what to do because your list has got a certain trick, then well, that's that's part and parcel of the strength of the list, isn't it? That's not that's not something to, something to apologize mm. for at all. Yeah. And um, the thing is, though, I think with Seraphon is that because it is an old book, um, you don't have a lot of room to make mistakes yourself. So you, it really rewards as well. Like um, I guess those people people that love perfecting a list and um you know really like becoming the master of of, of that army because uh, if you make a few mistakes with seraphon it's it's usually game over because um you've got you know key models that if they die it's certainly in my list it's like well that's it really you know no that makes sense well why don't we start with seraphon in general before we yeah. kind of dive down into your list in detail so what makes seraphon a good faction to play would you say <laughs> well let's start with you know obviously the biggest trick in the book uh, mad teleports. Oh, so good. Whenever I play an army that isn't Seraphon, and I just I miss the teleports every time. It's so powerful, and um, obviously, if you go Great Remembrance, if, yeah, if you're not taking Great Remembrance, you're, you're doing it wrong. If I'm honest, doing it wrong. Two, you're, you're two units a turn. Doubling down on your allegiance ability is amazing. It's such a force multiplier, um, and especially the new handbook, um, the tricks, uh, the fact you can do it twice flat out. No, you know, no, um, no. Oh yeah, used to, so it used to be uh, if you roll a one, you can't do anything, and if you roll a six, you can move. Yeah, it used to be. Um, that was the first handbook. Then it was one to two, uh, you did nothing. Three to four, you could move, and five six, you could move. They changed it in like. The, I guess last handbook, but this one it became you just get flat out, you just can't move, but you always get it, which yeah. is. Uh, well, let's just in case great. anyone's not aware of what we're talking about, we're talking about teleports and doubling down and all that jazz. So, this is the rule Lords of Space and Time in page 92 of the General's Handbook 2019. So, it's not found in the Seraphon Battle Tome, it's the no. allegiance ability found in the General's Handbook. So, in your hero phase, you pick one friendly Seraphon unit anywhere on the battlefield to be transported through space and time. If you do so, remove that unit from the battlefield and then set it up on the battlefield anywhere that is more than nine inches from any enemy unit. That counts as that units move for following a movement phase and no other restriction and then comboed with uh, great yep. rememberer if this general is on the battlefield that's that's key on the battlefield uh, you mm-hmm. can use the lords of space and time battle trait twice in each of your hero phase rather than only once it's yeah. huge. It's, it's it's so so cool. Yeah. Um. I. It's it's other armies. You know, pay so many points to get access to those sort of abilities, and the fact you can do it for free is just crazy. And most people, and I don't know why this is. I play so many people that don't realize it's. They think it's a slam. They don't realize that any unit can just do it. Whatever. It's mm. least well, the slam does it. To, the slam is the second one. Yeah. Slam is the second one, but oh, most people, you know, think they kill the slam. They think, aha, so no, no teleports now. And you have to go, sorry, <laughs> actually, um, those skinks will be capturing your objective. My, uh, my, my favorite, I think it combos really well with the, with the skink retreat rule. Yeah, so the skink retreat rule is, um, I think, one of those rules that keeps Seraphon competitive. Um, and it, it's, the skink retreat rule is so good because it, it gets around anti-retreat because it's not a retreat move. It's like an activation. Mm. So this is, this is, again, for the benefit um, of people who aren't experienced with, with skinks running away from them in, in a really infuriating manner. Uh, wary Fighters, this is on the Skink War Scroll from uh, the Seraphon book or, or the, the, um, the app. So Wary Fighters, when it is this unit's turn to pile in and attack, it can withdraw instead. So withdraw, just as a verb in, with a small w, you know, not retreat. <laughs> yeah. uh, it can withdraw instead. Move each model in the unit up to eight inches so that each one ends up at least three inches from the enemy, essentially outside of combat, yeah? 
that's the key thing though like you can move within three inches of enemies um so like a, a retreat move you can't do that but with the withdraw you can so those those skinks they can run between you know between models they can it's so versatile and and people and i think underestimate how good a rule it is um it's one me hands down so many games a great thing is you can teleport with your with your two teleports you can teleport two units of skinks yeah basically next to an objective and then you've essentially got a reloadable re-rollable charge oh yeah because let's say you basically teleport two units of skinks next to an enemy unit that is on an objective preferably with less than 10 models mm-hmm. then you basically charge it's your turn so you charge the unit of skinks onto that unit and then yeah. you activate first and then you retreat away yeah and if your first your first charge doesn't work then you uh <laughs> You're bound to the second one so you don't need to teleport a hero over there with them and kind of waste a hero especially if you've got like fragile heroes like skink star priests yeah. and that kind of thing or, or slans that you don't want running around uh, on the enemy objectives teleport to units of skinks which you probably didn't pay for anyway because you summoned them <laughs> yeah that's um we'll come on to summoning i think i think that's a great <laughs> way to come on to summoning um yeah, summoning. It was, I think, Seraphon. If you like summoning, you love Seraphon. They can pump it out like, I don't know, I want to say like Slanesh, really. Um, Especially if you, like you say, double down on it. Because yeah. essentially you generate three Celestial Conjuration Points, CCPs. <laughs> um, you generate three CCPs per spell that you don't use from your Slan. Yes, And of course spell, a Slan gets cute. three spells normally. Yeah. So you're getting nine. And then yeah. you get an extra one if your General is a Slan, which... He always is because yeah. you, because you're going for Lords of Space and Time, great member. Um, yeah, I'd say it's now if you're not if you don't have a slant as your general, you're playing Seraphon you, wrong. You're lizarding wrong, aren't you? You're lizarding wrong. Yeah, and no one wants to lizard wrong. No. And then you can also get D3 extras if you have one or more friendly astrolith bearers on the battlefield, which is I think quite cool. So I'm, I'm a big believer in astrolith bearers personally. I, I never leave home. I try not to leave home with that one. I I try to squeeze one into my pterodon list, but it just. It detracted from the pterodon the, aspect of it. You know, yeah. I wanted to go all pterodons all the time and kind of really go heavy onto that theme, obviously. And I thought about maybe dropping, going two units of nine with an astrolith kind of thing. But actually, mm. I found that I had enough CCPs as it was. There, of course, there were moments when I thought, oh, actually, this is turn two. <laughs> if only I could, if only I had an extra That's one or two, more, yeah. I could, I could do X, Y, Z. But I always found a way to to get around it. Mm. I think it works quite well because with with three spells you're getting nine plus one. So basically on the third turn, you're getting a, a, an extra half a unit of skinks, right? With those three. Well, if you, if you, if you as I say, double down on it, um, you can get a, a Carnosaur or a Basilodon in two turns if you don't spend any. Yeah, you know. and not only that, you can, of course, summon the cogs, chronomatic cogs, with a skink star priest. Yeah. Summon, so your skink star priest spends his spell to generate the cogs. You mm-hmm. send it next to the slam, and the slam that activates it slows down time, gets an extra spell, and suddenly yeah. you're on twelve CCP. And you can you can push it further with Bellwind as well, of course, if you want to do that. Of course, yeah, absolutely. But then the Bellwind's not generating you an extra. Not not, not, not the, not first, in the first, turn. first. No, no. But, um, if you're going to go all in on summoning, uh, you, you can certainly do that. Um, you know, hell, put put it on Croak, Lord Croak. Because he's obviously a slan as well, but he's forecast. So um, you can get an extra three there if you really want to go all summoning. I personally, I think I think Lord Croak, um, who is a, a, I'm a big believer in our, our Lord and Saver uh, Croak, um, is better used for a, uh, a sort of a damage output character rather than wasted on summoning. Yeah, but, um, no, I think use a slan as a, your battery. And then yeah. Croak as your offense. I, I think Croak and Slan as a, as a combo. Oh, yeah. Is, I'm, uh, I'm well, I mean, we'll, we'll get onto that shortly, <laughs> I suspect. Yeah. Um, now, well, first... Also, you've got, um, 
sorry, I, one more summoning on engines. I wanted to talk about. Yeah, engines absolutely. That's a critical point to kind of bring out whilst we're on summoning before we move on, isn't it? Talk, yeah. Talk to me about engines, Matthew. So engines of the gods. Um, normally you roll three dice, and they've got a whole plethora of abilities. Um, but if you roll a uh, in the fourteen to seventeen, so you add the dice together. Um, you get a, a free summon. Now, if you're near a slant, you get to add another dice to that and pick the, th- uh, the three dice you want. So you roll four dice, pick the three you want, and uh, it allows you to play with the result a bit. But obviously, you want to go for the summoning. And uh, if you get the summons, you can put down 20 skinks, which is straight up worth 12 conjuration points. That's amazing. Um, 10 Soros Warriors, three Repodactyls, or three Pterodons. Um, being able to put 20 skinks on the on the board um, for free is amazing. It's it's just like a three second screen behind your lines. You've got your main screen. You've got another screen that just appears for free. I mean, 20 skinks. You can teleport those onto multiple objectives. It, it, it's baffling, and that is per engine. So if you want to leave home with four engines of the gods, you can potentially put 80 skinks on the board in 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 one turn per turn and you know as someone who's painted 80 skinks i can i can tell you that if you're gonna put the effort in you might as well use them yeah you might as well it was frustrating Um, when in my pterodon list people would kill about 10 or 20 skinks a turn and i would generate say 10 or 20 skinks here or there and i was just putting the dead ones back on the board and i had these like (laughs) 50 i basically had enough skinks to summon 10 a turn yeah in my box but then I was just reusing ones that were previously on the tabletop. Yeah, well, that's the thing that skinks. I think skinks. We could. I could talk for days about skinks. They're. They're. They are what makes everyone partly a really good faction. They're just so versatile, and there's a reason Stormcast players ally in skinks to their list. Um, because they're just the perfect screen, really. Uh, screening is what Seraphon are fantastic at. You have the perfect screen. You've got a screen that effectively runs away when you charge it, um, and it's so cheap to replace and summon and they're fast yeah what more do you want for 70 points for 10 do you know, do yeah, you know what i mean absolute bargain so mm. i guess that brings us quite well onto your onto your list itself so you had two engines of the gods didn't you yes i did so shall i, shall I just go through my list yeah absolutely out? yeah do it well, should we touch on the name first <laughs> yeah. am i allowed to swear on this i don't know <laughs> well if, if you tell me tell us what the name is i'll beep it out <laughs> okay so it's a uh, slanesh um it was uh it was designed i want to say it's the third iteration of of where this uh list came from um i'll talk about the the other iterations uh, a bit later but this one is um so starts off slan slan star master is the general uh he's got the great remember command trait obviously griff the charm i go for for his artifact okay um, interesting it's the only i don't have any battalions in the list so it's the only artifact i get um i've played about with incandescent rectories which for those of you who don't know you basically uh when your model that has it dies on a three plus you get a bring them back to life with d6 wounds um but I find it's obviously a three plus, and you know, I I don't like chance in the game. I like to know things are going to die, um, or come back, or do what they say. So I think a flat minus one to hit. It just it's kept that slant alive that little bit longer in um in uh, in those tight games when I've needed it. I guess uh, it's just so- doing something similar. So yeah. on a three plus, you're coming back to life, whereas your minus one to hit keeps you alive for longer. Yeah. So exactly. kind of you know the the effect is similar. I slam on board for longer, but it's just doing it, <laughs> delivering it in a slightly different manner. Yeah, always what you want. Um his spell I go for is Stella Tempest, which is a cracking spell. Um you basically it's twenty four inch range. You pick a unit and every model in the unit you are dice on a five up they take a more wound it's so good uh, so good. it's so good and uh, obviously you can buff the range of that uh, which we'll talk about in a bit yeah followed next uh, is lord croak obviously amazing um he's his spell i go for is meteoric convocation it's just uh, it's the same as stella tempest uh, but it's always eight dice 
And so fives do mortal wounds. You roll eight dice, you know. Then I have a two engines of the gods, exactly identical. And I have, a, to round it off my heroes, I have a Soros Ashleth Bearer. Um, then from my battle line, I've got a unit of Soros Guard, which I think, I've had a lot of people go, um, why not three units of Skinks? Um, but I think the Soros Guard are just that, a little bit... That was bit... my next question. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it, it is a very valid question. People go, well, why not more Skinks, you know? You've been talking about how great Skinks are for ages. Um and then at least, because they're 80 points and 10 skinks are 70, so you'd be on 1990. Yeah. So there's a theoretically a chance for a, a, yeah, a, a I what mean, you call it? A triumph, a triumph, yeah. There we go. But what they are is, although they're not in the formation, which makes them really good, the Eternal Star Host, if you put them on a cover, a piece of cover in your objective, they're going to probably get in a two-up save. They're they're reasonably killy. Um, they, and I find that they just help clear things that make it to your lines. So they're a little bit of home defense. They're a little, you know, if you need, if you really need to hold an objective, I've always found they've just, they've just helped out because of that two up save, which you can make obviously reroll ones, and they ignore minus one rend as well. So they're they're pretty tanky. They are doing something that another unit of skinks wouldn't do, and that is, as you say, kick out damage. Yeah. So when people are cruising around your backfield in your skinks, your skinks mm. are doing nothing but running away, so they're just buying yeah. time. Whereas the Saurus Guard, you can you can not only so you can activate. Let's say you've got some Skinks and Saurus Guard in combat, you can safely activate your Skinks first to get them out out of safety's uh, out mm. of harm's way, knowing that your Saurus are on a two up rerolling ones and are probably going to be all right, and can yeah. then still come back with a little bit of punch. Yeah, and it's not about you know like it's just it's just about not believing they're going to kill like a bloodthirster because they won't. But like it's it's about believing they can you know take on that kill- unit of dogs. Yeah, or clear those few orcs or whatever you know or um. Chip and, off and that last wound off that really annoying exactly. Marathi that's you're firing oh. loads of javelins at. <laughs> exactly, yes. That's that's what they're there for. Um and yeah, so our tunis of skinks, um, with javelins. Um people say there's a big argument for bolt splitters, obviously. Um but I, I like the the four up wound on the javelins. That's just personal preference. Um obviously the argument with um, bolt splitters is that if you teleport you still get a shoot. Um but if you're teleporting skinks anyway, you're probably teleporting them to charge them into something to then retreat and get an objective. So I don't really like I don't think it's that big of a loss. No, um, and unless you're teleporting thirty of them. Yes. Or <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I don't you know, fives and fives, no rend, one damage, you're not really doing anything, are you? No, not at all. Um, and then, yeah, as you quite rightly said, Epistolidon, that was uh, that was an addition to the list as of Blood and Glory. Just uh, uh, really kick home the damage against Slanesh. Um, Basilodons, it was the uh, the uh, solar engine variety, um, so the big laser, for those of you that are familiar with Seraphon. Um, how how two- strange, you went for the solar engine rather than the... Um... <laughs> The Ark of Sotek. I think there's a place for the Ark of Sotek in 2.5k. I'm, I'm arguing it. Yeah, but who plays 2.5k? Well, I'm going to 2.5k event uh, in uh, a week or so, That's actually. That's told, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, at Bad Moon, they're doing a, one, a 2.5k one day after Christmas. It'd be okay, fun. well, yeah, um, uh, that's like saying, I think this unit that's useless in the 2k meta <laughs> is really useful in a meta that hardly anyone ever plays. But yeah, let me know how it goes. Yeah, I will, I will. Um... But yeah, there's a lot on 2d6 shots, 20-inch uh, range, so effective threat range is 25 with your move, um, but uh, obviously teleports, um, so threat range, the board. Um, fours to hit, threes to wound, minus one, two damage, goes to three damage against Chaos Demons, and that is the big deal. But um, just to finish out the list, uh, three ender spells, Cogs, Purple Sun, and Bailwind. Purple Sun, I think, is an auto-include in, uh, in, or it should be in most lists, really, I think, Um 
purely because it, it it's won me games. I'm not going to lie. It shifted. It shifts um, large multi-wound you know models stuff like um colonel hunters storm fiends stuff like that at the at the uh the grand final the gt final i played steve curtis's um feck and uh it it did 10 more wounds to a terror geist and uh yeah that's worth 50 points isn't it exactly yeah the the chance is you know the chances it won't but the chance that it does is it's uh it's another force multiplier if it goes off um yeah that's the list it's uh how many drops nine drops which uh a lot of people will be like whoa that's loads for the uh the current meta um, but it, it, unless you're doing two or three there's no point is there yeah basically yeah so you know if you if you're gonna be like uh I mean, there's an argument for four, I guess, but if you're gonna be if you're gonna be five or higher, there's just you know split drops. There's no point. Go, you know, string them out, make them fight for that deployment, really. But yeah, that is the list. Um, so yeah, as you you're saying, there's a lot of uh, anti slanesh tech in there. Um, the the, the Basilidon obviously is the main one. Um, now fours, two d six shots, fours and threes, two damage goes to three against demons. So if we, you know, we assume we're playing Slanesh, three damage automatically per shot. That's fantastic with minus one rend. You'll be able to reliably kill a keeper. Um, but force to hit is bad. So, and I find force to hit, it never maths out to equal. It always seems to go worse. I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. Um, I don't know. I've, I've rolled a lot of four ups to do D3 mortal wounds in my time. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're like, they're like, oh, so you're rolling 12 dice. So yeah, okay. So we'll do about 63. And they're like, yeah, yeah, about works out about right. Works out about, you know, maybe 12 mortal wounds. And you're rolling you're like, yeah, take 18 mortal wounds, please. You're like, oh, crap. How has that worked out? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I, you know, if you're, if you're firing something like that, it's just... Mm. Because you have to then add in the wound as well. At least with my yeah. my pterodons, it's four up, that's your wounds. Well, you yeah. then do D3, but that's your D3 wounds, whereas you're still rolling to wound, aren't you? And then you've still got to save. Yeah. I mean, there are ways around that, obviously, in the Seraphim book. So the first way I mitigate that is by the Astralith. The Astralith is such a key piece of kit in the army and um, for several reasons. It's got several abilities that I'll, I'll talk about as, as they're relevant. But the, the main one that's relevant for the Basilidon is that reroll hits wholly within 12 inches. So that's that's just amazing whatever way you look about it. If you can get reroll hits into a list, I'd, I always argue to do it because it mitigates the randomness on the shot number then. Because even if you roll like, I don't know, a bad shot number, you, you can guarantee that most of them will hit. Yeah. So, and it's, it's reroll all hits, not just ones? Uh, I believe so. It yeah. is. It, no, that's it's that's that's oh. why it's so good. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, obviously, because then if you're taking you know modifiers to that, you ignore that as well. So you just reroll those. Um, yeah, Basilodon. So that's the first anti-slash piece of tech. You there is a way to make Basilodons obviously reroll wounds. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the Thunderquake Battalion. Um, I don't have that in this list, but it's it's another popular pick for a lot of Seraphim players yeah, out there. Yeah, it seems to be kind of like the go-to list for kind of, I don't want to say net list, but you see a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, well, I think people like big dinosaurs really, don't they? I mean, who doesn't? It's certainly something I've considered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's why I got into the army. I won't talk about it because it's not in the list, but um, yeah, it, you can get rerolling wounds uh, and, and saves, I guess, if you want. But um, yeah, the other, other than the main piece of anti-Slanesh tech is Lord Croak. Oh, God. Now, Lord Croak. If I could marry Lord Croak, I would. He's he's just amazing, and he's amazing for several reasons. He's got two fantastic spells that other armies would love to get their grubby mitts on. Um, the first one being Comet of... Um, well, it's Comet's Call. So that's cast on a, a seven, and if you cast it on a ten plus, it gets even better. So cast it on a seven, you pick D3 units anywhere on the board, which is, you know, nowhere to hide. That's amazing. Um, and they take D3 mortal wounds each. And if you cast it on a 10+, plus, it becomes D6 units, take D3 mortal wounds. That just 
lets you snipe characters for days. It's 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 a, it's a theme actually. I'm seeing in in the sort of the Seraphon tech is that yeah. it's anywhere on the board. So you've not only got an army that can teleport twice, essentially mm. anywhere on the board outside of the nine bubble. Clearly, yeah. You've got laser dinosaurs that have a short, uh, I mean, a short to medium range. But can t- to use that teleport to yeah. maximize its advantage, and then you've got spells which which, um, which do that as, as well. Huge ranges on the on the spells, and uh, I don't know who who wrote the uh, the Seraphon spell law, um, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, please don't change it. Yeah, please, 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 um, or make it better. You know, whenever whenever that book comes out. We've been waiting four years, but um, yeah, so that's a great spell. So it, it lets you. Um, what it, what's it, what, what comment uh, comments call is great at is is obviously hitting things that people think are safe, um, and it's great for just doing those few extra wounds that go bam. There's the three extra mortal wounds, your character's dead. Um, it, it's great at picking off all those little support heroes, and that's that's really where the strength of the army, I think, Seraphon lies. It is good at deleting uh, your opponent's synergies before they get a chance to. Yeah. So let's say you roll a seven. Yeah. Instead of a ten, you've got. You know, let's say two enemy units. Stick it on a hag. Stick it on Marathi. Turn one. Do D three mortal wounds to Marathi. Do D three yeah. mortal wounds to a hag. Yeah. And by and turn so- turn two, you know, and obviously then she she goes into warp mode and whatever. Yeah. But uh, you, you're at least you're at least knocking them down. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, if, as you say, if you get to Marathi, you've halved her wounds already. Do you know what I mean? It's it's fantastic. Um, and hags are only on five wounds, so you yeah. don't have to roll too well to be able no, to two shot them. Uh, daughters, daughters is a really good matchup for Seraphon. Well, I think for for, for this list anyway. Um, I've, I've I've never really struggled that much against daughters. Um, yeah, but anyway, Croak uh, Croak's other spell, and this is the really anti slanesh bit, um, is uh, Celestial uh, Deliverance. Yeah, yeah Celestial it. Deliverance. So for those who don't know, it's a 10-inch range. It's cast on an 8, uh, a 9, then a 10. And you're thinking, oh, my God. Because there was a brief period of time where it wasn't uh, legal, I guess. But they FAQ, because the old ruler won and all that. Um, but the FAQ, you can cast this spell up to three times in your hero phase. 10-inch uh, range. And you pick three units every time you cast it. And on 2+, they take D3 mortal wounds. And if you chaos demons, it's an automatic three mortal wounds. So, obviously, those are quite high cast values. You're thinking, God, you'll never get it off three times. This is where the um, the astrolith comes back in, and also where the slan comes back in, ironically. So the astrolith, um, for wizards, uh, seraphon wizards within 12 inches, you not only get plus one to cast, you also get plus eight inches to the range of your spells. So that lets you do two things. Obviously, it gives you an extra bonus to cast, makes it a little bit easier, but it also lets you um, reach behind those screens that you know people were wanting to hide their their support characters behind. Um, and also, it just lets you, I don't know... <laughs> Keepers of Secrets have big bases, Dan, and yeah. uh, they, they can't hide very well from that. Um, obviously, the Slan combos this better. Uh, the Slan, for those of you that don't know, get a um, it's called a, a Constellation. This is an ability you roll for after deployment, and uh, it affects the entire army. It's free as long as the Slan is on the board. And um, So you 1-2, you get plus 1 to run and charge. 3-4, uh, plus 1 to cast, so you can see where this is going. And 5-6, reroll 1 to hit. Now, obviously, you want in this list plus one to cast. So if you've got a 33% chance of getting it before the game, which is, you know, okay, I guess. But if you don't get it, you can uh, choose to spend a spell and roll the dice. And on a four up, you can pick the one you want. Um, however, if you roll a one, your slam does uh, a bit of a brain fart and uh, can't do anything. So it is a bit risky, but I find most of the time um, I end up getting the plus one to cast. So then I'll end up having plus two to cast and uh, plus two to cast on uh, that that those high cast spells it suddenly becomes very achievable and obviously if you can find things like arcane as well that goes up to plus three to cast and then suddenly 
you've done nine mortal wounds to three keepers of secrets in one one magic phase and then the basilodon shoots them off i can see i can see how that has yeah it's gone from a uh, yeah fairly anti-slanish i like it yeah so um, so obviously you've designed this list for a certain kind of point in space and time if you'll excuse the pun yeah um and do you think it still holds up now yes uh i do i do because um uh, at Blood and Glory, I didn't play a single Slanesh player. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess even, that proves the point, doesn't it? Yeah, I didn't play a single Demon player even, um, I don't think. No, I don't think it did. Yeah, uh, it is it is a product, this list, of our time. Um, Slanesh is, I guess, the big bad. And if you look to those top tables at Blood and Glory, it was Slanesh to the left, Slanesh to the right. Um, it, there, I mean, I think Slanesh uh, came second and third, if I'm right, or uh, they definitely came second because uh, obviously Tom won. And um, Slanesh is is tricky because it's forced. It's forced. Um, I don't know. I guess a resurgence in the shooting meta and the, the magic meta. And so I guess that's where this has come from. But obviously, a lot of these things I've been talking about. It's 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 not just um, obviously what the anti-Slanesh stuff is that it guarantees the damage, but the reach is still there. And um, with a little bit of luck, you can still perform just as well against other armies. Um, so stuff like Iron Jaws, it does really well against this list because, again, I'm just plucking those war chanters out of the air, turn one, turn two. Um, or, you know, theoretically, uh, anything with small support characters just is um, that relies on synergies, combos, buffs. It just goes like that. And you've also got a lot of large unit damage in this list. You've got um, Stellar Tempest, which can... Um, and this is, this is a great example why it's great against Daughters. If you've got 30 Witch Elves, I can, you know, I can reliably delete at yeah, least... Yeah, you've suddenly one. only got 20, uh, 20 Witch Elves, haven't you? Well, yeah, but then I can also do Purple Sun as well in this list. And oh, of you course. Suddenly, oh, yeah, of course. And you suddenly got less Witch Elves. And the, the, key, the key loop with this list resolves around, um, as I said, Croak. So what, what, I, what I use with the list is I use those teleports that we talked about earlier. And I use one teleport, normally, to um, teleport Croak into range. Normally, I, I'd cast Bellwind before I do that, because that gives you another six-inch range on his spells. So it gives you even more reach on that, that important spell of his. And also, it improves the save, all that. Gives another spell, so it allows you that extra little meteoric convocation that you might need to just finish off another hero or something like that. So I cast that, then I teleport him, obviously, nine inches away. But then I've got you know, 24-inch range plus on all my spells. And that's usually most of the board if you teleport them into the middle. So you can reliably just um, snipe whatever you want um, and then using the second teleport. And this is the key part of the teleport. And I don't know who wrote this, but thank you, rules writers. You can do it on the same unit twice. Yeah, it's and so good. You can. Te- I used to do this with my slan in the Pterodon list. You teleport, zap, 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 three spells, teleport back. Yeah, it's so that's offensive. In your skink screen. <laughs> yeah, um, it's 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 really um, I want to say fun and interactive. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely a mechanic that we want kept in, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether it's healthy for the for the game, but uh, it's definitely keeping Seraphon up there on the top tables. I think if you had a refreshed book where sl- um, Slanesh, even <laughs> we'll know if you had a refreshed book where Seraphon had legs elsewhere yeah then you wouldn't necessarily need that and no, you could, I, you could I, maybe teleport you could teleport you know 18 inches away and then smash some screens up front with a um uh, with yeah. summoning or whatever but at the moment it's definitely it's, it's interesting because seraphon are a kind of product of their age 
Mm. and so aren't very competitive but the things that make them very competitive are also a product of its age so the fact that you can do three inch shadow strike and then move the fact that you can pick the same unit twice if those rules were written now i would say it's less it's a realistic possibility that you're not going to get them in the in the same incarnation completely it's it's purely because it's a book that's you know what four plus years old now um yeah, it was one of the one of the first few ones to come out, wasn't it? It was yeah, um, Stor- it Stormcast, Corn, uh, and then Sun- um, keep calling them Slash. Stormcast, Corn, <laughs> then Seraphon, wasn't it? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. It might have been Fire Slayers around then as well, but um, yeah, you're right. It was definitely one of the first ones to come out. And uh, come on, GW. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm think- fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. There's a lot of there's a lot of hope on the um, Seraphon WhatsApp chat. There is. There's always hope. There's been hope for a while. There's been hope for years. Um, is it just because the uh, big Dino Lizard thing that the Chaos Warrior is riding in the recent Slate of uh, Darkness release? Everyone keeps saying, "Oh, but it looks different." But when Ben Johnson announced it at Blood and Glory, he said, "Sorry, Seraphon players. I know there's a lot of excitement about this, but this is what the model is." Yeah, yeah. And um, when that rumor engine came out, it had a lot of us feeling hopeful. Yeah, but damn, but you can still there's still hope in that list based on that same picture even though it's yes. been all but confirmed as not to be Seraph- you know he basically said he didn't say this picture is not i think he said sorry seraphon players and then winked i i don't know you know maybe maybe he's being elusive and double bluffing maybe it is maybe it is a new carnosaur oh my god oh my god new carnosaur. I, 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 we don't need a new carnosaur we need something else they need something like yeah big chunky big something like a carnosaur plus is what they need you reckon i was gonna go medium so no, they've got cold no. ones. So new cold ones would be cool. Yeah, obviously. But something more like an offensive. So you've got support dinos. I suppose yeah. you've got you've got uh, stegodons, stegodons, engines, and basties. I'm thinking more like a kind of mini carnosaur that size. No, see, I, I think I think a carnosaur is is um, ironically undersells itself because I I really don't rate them to be honest on the table. Um, if and if you look at um. I think four years ago, yeah, they were they were the big band, you know, scary monster in the book. But I think in the current, as you say, the, you know, the, the the current meta, the current time we're in. If you look at the, the power creep that's been increasing, you look at um, you know, something that has the damage output of like a Keeper of Secrets, or even some of the newer books, something like Alarial or um, I don't know, a Star Drake, you know, and you just think, Christ. So you you mean like a tanky damagey beast yeah. something like like a what are they called the uh, the ones with the armor and the kind of clubby tail like a big one of those or oh, you, don't, you don't want like a t-rexy type thing because they're covered mm. by carnosaurs yeah you want something that you don't have yeah and and it's a weakness in the book they don't have something like i want to say a zombie dragon they don't have seraphon doesn't have a, a beat stick unit um that that can survive more than one round of combat because <laughs> obviously there there is there is power in the book as you say the pterodons and stuff um but i find that um most stuff if it gets into combat and it's just, you know unless it's saurus guard it's dead generally the seraphon um and i think that is the weakness of the book it is uh it crumbles under excessive combat pressure and anything that is equally as fast as it if that makes sense um, yeah, I think it's 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 strangely glass hammery. Yeah, for an army that doesn't feel like it should be. Yeah, uh, it, the, the classic example is is um, even if you do lo- lose a Saurus guard, people are, are always shocked they have one wound because you know they're on the thirty two mils. Most things on thirty two mils have two wounds. You know. Um, yeah, uh, to be honest, like even that change. Imagine that that would completely reinvigorate that unit, oh, wouldn't God. it? Yeah, you'd, you'd see Saurus lists all of a sudden. You'd actually see you know people taking Saurus Warriors in a competitive situation. It would be, be like 
2016 yeah. or 15 all over again. Yeah, they'd, they'd, yeah, they'd be like they'd be on par with orcs, you know, which they I, I think they you know they should be really um, in, t- in terms of the narrative anyway. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> um, oh god, there's there's so much. I, I think I'd love I'd love plastic croxigors. Um, I'd love obviously everyone is calling out for plastic razor dawns, ser- um, salamanders. Mm, like a jewel like kit. I think we're yeah. uh, we're digressing a little bit too much into wish listing. So uh, <laughs> let's yeah, go yeah. let's go back to the list. So what factions did you play against? So blood and glory game one. Um, obviously, it's completely random. And I ended up playing, of all things, game one, Tomb Kings. Um, Will Rose, lovely guy. Um, I think he's the only player like in the UK who plays like Tomb Kings competitively. Uh, it was uh, it was uh, an all chariot list. Uh, there were also some uh, Necropolis knights in there. Uh, he had a Tomb Herald, a, a, a Hierophant wizard, and um, uh, whatever counts as Setra these days. Um, I think it's an exalted Tomb King on chariot or something like that. Um, and obviously, this was a, a weird situation because it, it's it's where two unknown armies come up against each other and they go, oh, um, <laughs> what, what do we do now? Um, it was a really interesting list. It was very fast because it's all chariots. He's got um, prayers in there that could let him move uh, move twice. Um, the Necropolis Knights are very killy, very, very killy, um, as is, uh, I guess, um, I want to call him, let's just go with Setra himself. And there was some interesting tech in there. Like he had uh, an artifact um, from the Grand Alliance death, because it has to be Grand Alliance death, because it's Tomb Kings, that lets you teleport in the combat phase to within three inches of an enemy unit. And on this beat stick chariot, you suddenly go, oh my God, that's amazing. Because what it can do is you can charge in, um, clear the screen with another unit, and then you just boom, teleport in the combat phase, and suddenly your um, your uh, your big beat stick has teleported through that screen. You know, even if you stay six, seven inches behind the screen, um, it just appears within three inches and destroys whatever's behind it. It's a really interesting and powerful list um, that can, I imagine, catch a few people unawares. I suppose um, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about saying this is an old list brought, you know, exploiting yeah. the kind of little gaps in the sand, as it were. Yeah. Um, fortunately, though, Tomb Kings, uh, the, the main chariots don't hit very hard. So while he was fast and a lot of ball control, it was it was low model count because they're only like, you know, six, six chariots in a unit. Um, and that that ultimately spells your doom because I, I can just teleport skinks onto objectives. I can outnumber you. I can pump out skinks faster than, um, you know, you can kill anything. And those chariots, they're not very tanky. Um, there are only five wounds, five up save, I think. Um, so even, you know, even skinks were doing damage to them with their javelins and stuff. Um, so really, it, it's an odd book, but it didn't have the, I, I want to say, the same level of tricks that Seraphon did. Um, so it was a very easy game. I, 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 I tabled it. I can't even remember what the mission was, to be honest, game one. But it, it just, yeah, it was, uh, it, it evaporated with the desert sun. There you go. <laughs> very poetic. <laughs> so uh, game two, it was a Seraphon mirror match. Um I played Jack from the Seraphon chat, lovely guy. Um, he was using a uh, a one drop. Uh, is it is Dracothian's tail the one with the uh, the carnosaur? It's it's a Sunclaw star host, a carnosaur, and then whatever you want. I think it's a, it's a really interesting list. Um, it was it was uh, so you basically went hard in on the Sunclaw star host, and the general idea of the list was that it teleported forty Soros uh, warriors. Um, that then obviously you make fly with the uh, the Slan Star Master's command trait. So basically you spend a CP. And uh, I think it's everything uh, within 10 inches of the slan. Reroll saves in the shooting phase and can fly. Um, but flying is obviously the key part. And so what he, the, the key list was it teleports 40 skinks 
Uh, he then teleports the old blood, which uses its command ability to make him pile in three inches, so it's now a six-inch charge. And then it flies over your screen and kills you. Um, but the problem with that list was it was 40 uh, Saurus Warriors. And <laughs> I'm sure and as, as previously discussed, one wound hordes. Yeah, not good. Um, it, it doesn't have the staying power. Seraphim in combat, they don't have the staying power. Um, so once I deleted his big scary unit, um, I could safely kill the rest of his army from range. And it was Star Strike. Um, I had the ability to pump out more skinks than he did because uh, he didn't have any engines or anything. He only had the slam and... Um, so, yeah, once again, uh, although it was a mirror match, um, I, I guess my list was built better to uh, receive damage and then uh, to, to take that to take that initial first um, alpha strike and then strike back. So I had no trouble there. It was star strike. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just easy to teleport into things, really. Yeah. Game three was Iron Jaws. Um, I can't remember uh, the guy's name I played, but it was... Um, it was it was Iron Jaws. It wasn't. They hadn't gone for any of the the um, the, the clans. It was a it was a, it was an Iron Jaws. Um, I, I say basic Iron Jaws list. Um, it, it, I mean, it, obviously Iron Jaws are very powerful, but um, he he obviously outdropped me. But he he gave me the um, the first turn, and that was I think key to his mistake because uh, I think he expected me to do damage to his units and give him the free movement that Iron Jaws get out of that. But obviously, the, then all you do is you just focus down units. So if I decide to wound a unit with a spell, I just make sure that... Um, Everything I, then goes into that unit. It's about yeah. tar- it's about kind of target priority, isn't it? Much yeah. like, um, who was it? Uh, Les Martin from Facehammer was talking about, I think he played a game on stream with his Stormcast, mm. and he was saying how he intentionally left a certain a keeper on a certain number of wounds rather than killing it because he didn't want to remove that keeper and provide enough depravity points for a new keeper. For a new keeper. So intentionally yeah. left it on a certain number of, uh, you know, a few wounds remaining. I think people on the stream were like, oh, you know, it's a shame he hasn't killed that keeper. And that was a, a, a kind of an active choice that he made in order to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same for the Iron Jaws, isn't it? If, if you're going to make a, mo- a unit move towards you, you might as well just, all right, fine, I'll just pile it all in. Because it's per phase, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's per phase. And this is the other thing you can do is I went, okay, so you, you're going to be moving towards me. So I just put the damage on all the small character units. Because not only am I removing important units like War Chanters. Mm. They're also that... probably stuck behind lines so they can't really move anywhere anyway. Exactly. And, and, you, don't want... and you don't want them moving towards you yeah. either. You don't want to run your, your War Chanter towards me. It's like, okay, sure, run your War Chanter 18 inches towards my you know, my guys, fine. That's that's fine by me. I'll, I will shoot you with javelins now or whatever. Um, so yeah, that was that was over relatively quickly. He had, I did struggle with that list because he um, he had a a, a weird un, um, a more crusher with the weird un mount trait, which obviously ignores spells on like a five up or something like that. So I had to, um, and it had ethereal amulet as well. So that was tricky. So I just had to, I guess, wear that down over time. But um, yeah, obviously iron jaws are not that fast. So once I dealt with the more crusher. And um, remove of the heroes, he didn't have much. And obviously, it's not exactly a massive model count army. So again, I've got board control. I've got I'm faster than he is, and that in an objective game, it's always going to win you the game. Um, yeah. And then game four, <laughs> game four was Tom Morsley's Hello Heart. <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't much of a game really, uh, especially with um, the, you know his rolling was pretty good. Um, I've, I, to be I, fair, it, with board wide dispels from your slans, you're like yeah, you you think you think now you think ah yes, board wide dispels, I've got him, I've got him. Um, but Hallow Heart, you can reliably get plus eight to yeah, cast yeah. wizard, and it's, it's obscene, I, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not. It's so obscene. I'm not even joking. He rolled a six every turn for that um 
that ability that the Hallow Heart have to get the plus to cast. Um, so he was always casting with plus eight, and I just go, well, you know, what can I do really against such such hate? Such reckless. What can men? What can lizards do against such reckless hate? Um, I so obviously Hallow Heart ignores um, spells on a five up. They can make it a four up. That's army wide. Um, so with my list, it really is a hard counter to my list because. Um, I thought, well, there's not any point in trying to, you know, uh, hurt units of spells because he's just going to be ignoring half of them. So I'm not going to be getting enough the, the damage I need to remove those wizards. So I, I tried a different strategy, um, which involved teleporting in the Cilladon and stuff and trying to tank tie lots of stuff in, in shooting. And um, obviously then he's got the bridge, which he can just teleport away. And uh, and then he double turned me, turned one into two and... That was pretty much game. Uh, the, the shooting potential, the magic damage potential on that list is insane. Um, it needs to be hit with a nerf. Um, I think personally, <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some changes to that to that yeah. allegiance going forward. Yeah, especially the um, the, the ignoring all the mortal wounds that you're, you're meant to be doing to get this plus to cast. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's almost like there's there's a as a negative to the buff, but then yeah. you can you can kind of regenerate that with, with you know with stuff that's within its own allegiance within its own spells. Yeah, and they've got so many heals available to them, and obviously all their ender spells are empowered. So I think he had like 3d6 worth of heals and it's like from various spells and stuff. And yeah. I th- I, but I think, you know, Tom's not running that list anymore. And I think I think that's intentional. I think he he ran that to, I guess, prove, prove a point. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's, he, he's, he's involved in the in the playtesting, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I, I think um, I think good on him to be. I mean, fair enough. You know, if I if I if I played Cities of Sigma, I'd probably have done the same. It's an absolutely killer list. And is it too killer? Time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he's got the ability to feed back into into Games Workshop as you know, he played Russ Veal on game five. Yeah. Russ I saw equally that. has got the ability to, to feed his 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 feelings about that list, having faced it, you know, two <laughs> two players of that caliber. Yeah. You know, that, that involved in in the kind of development the of, of the game yeah. and direction it's going. And I wouldn't be surprised if Hallow Heart got a, a significant, not a significant, but a a, a and a. I don't think it needs much. I think it needs a minor minor tweak. Yeah, minor tweaks probably yeah. the right way of putting it. Yeah, minor tweaks to make it. It still wants to be good. They still want to be the kind of the uber wizards. That's cool. That's a cool. You know, that's something that that, that allegiance is meant to do. But yeah. uh, but currently they're doing it. I think a little bit too much. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Um. So yeah, that was a that was a loss. So that sent me uh, careening down to the slightly sub um sub top tables. Uh, and then game five, I ended up playing a cookie cutter Hagnar uh netlist. Um, two big blocks of witches. Uh, a small unit sister slaughter. Um. Cauldron, Hag, Marathi, um, and obviously it's Blood and Glory. Uh, I just did the standard, the standard thing that this list does really well: is delete, delete all the support characters. Um, yeah, obviously- we just just discuss how well your your list does against a hordes or b you know little little support characters. Yeah, so Dorda's really, really, um, really sucks against, and Dorda play, Dorda's players um, don't really like to take the first turn anyway. Because they're just otherwise they're just moving across the board, not doing much. Um, so he gave me first turn, and that was a big mistake. Obviously, I hard Marathi's wounds. I kill all, you know most of the support characters. I delete a large n- number of witch elves. You know, there you go, really. And it's like, yeah, I, it was just I guess the hard counter to that list. Um, obviously, it's a great list, and Daughters is a really powerful army. Um, but especially on a, on a, on a scenario where it's an also win scenario, and they're not scoring any points. And all they're doing is walking towards me and losing models. 
and losing models. Um, Seraphon, and especially this list, is great at the long game. You always, I think, have to go five turns to win with Seraphon. Um, you know, but if you go five turns, it's 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 just constant chip damage, and there's nothing, you know, gets to turn three. I can teleport skinks on the objectives. That's game, really. Um, yeah. So despite not playing one Slanesh player, I think the list holds up really well. And in those those um, events where I have played Slanesh, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't last very long. And so we've, I think we've got a feel for how kind of how the list performed in general, especially against lists that it necessarily, wasn't necessarily designed to to be super good at. No. Yeah. What was the kind of biggest thing that you took away? What did you learn from your games as a whole over the over the weekend? Um. The importance of uh, I made some stupid mistakes in the uh, in the last game, ironically with daughters um, that re- regarding positioning. But I, I I got a bit lucky and I won the priority I needed. Um, otherwise, uh, I, I could have lost that actually, to be honest. But um, yeah, it, it's just about always being hot on your positioning with Seraphon and hot on your screening. If you mess up their screening, if they get through those lines, those skink screens, and they get your slam, it's game over straight away. Or if they get croak, it's game over straight away um, with this list. So it, it's just about, it's just reinforcing those those key Seraphon principles that you're going to be playing anyway and protect protect your key heroes. Uh, yeah, Tom, Tom, the game against Tom, um, really sort of like I lost, I lost most of my heroes in turn one or two and it was just it just it just i i couldn't do anything all my tricks are gone then and seraphon they need the tricks to win yeah. you know it's and, interesting you say it's sort of movement and positioning is really key I, I think that's fair to say across the game as a whole i think the game is is won and lost in the movement phase yes um, and, yeah, and poor positioning you know whether it's leaving because because a 25 mil base will fit in an inch gap so if you if you yeah. space your skinks out with an inch apart <laughs> you can yeah, exactly. you can theoretically you know mathematically 25 mil is is definitely you less than an inch it's, it's only yeah. a widget <laughs> less but you know you can you can pile in a a witch elf or a hag yeah. in that gap can't you <laughs> And that's something then, you know. That's something that I learn is it's that actually sometimes you don't want to be maximizing the breadth of your of your screen. Sometimes you want to be less than an inch to prevent that kind of thing happening. Yeah, and mo- the importance of multiple screens as well. And yeah, it's um, you are right. It is. It is obviously the game is one and lost in the movement phase. But I think the Seraphon is such an important phase because it's a phase where they operate so heavily in um, and, and a phase where they have such strengths. Yes. So which we which we've alluded to before with the double teleport, um, you know, the the screening off parts of the board, generating enough models to prevent things from being put down. So like for yeah. example, that corn throne that generates you can teleport a bloodthirster out into uh, yeah, you can yeah. generate it. You can easily with enough skinks, you can just teleport around it. Oh yeah. And stop things arriving because things like bloodthirster bases, they're as you say, the keeper bases and bloodthirster bases, they're chunky. Yeah, they're chunky and, and that's you know, I guess part of their downfall. So all those flying keepers and, you know, flying bloodthirsters and um you just that second sink skink screen that you have behind it, it's it's so key to stop, you know, those big units landing on your slam or um your your engines of the gods or whatever it is you're trying to kind of protect. Um yeah, I I think that is the most important thing that I'm always learning. I'm always trying to be tighter on my my movement and my positioning. It it's it's the thing that keeps Seraphon in the game is your ability to be really hot on your screening. Before Blood and Glory, um I first took 
uh, I want to say an iteration of this list. Um, I, I played a game uh, against Changehost in a one day and I got absolutely wrecked. Um, and I thought, uh, well, what if I could, you know, try and do Changehost with Lizardmen? And I, because um, obviously, I, 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 you, you kind of can, I guess, with the teleports and all that and all the, the, the amount of spells you can cast. And so I, I put in loads of Ender spells and um, I don't think I had uh, even, I only think I had one engine in the list. I didn't have the Cilladon and, um, and I, I slowly sort of discovered that this, you know, despite the end spells were good, um, they they lacked the uh, the damage and the uh, I guess the additional summoning and board control that the other engine and the Basilion gave me, and so um, those sort of came in for the the GT final. Um, the GT final. Uh, <laughs> so I, I I won four, lost two at the GT final, and I lost to Tinsdale. Um, and he was playing. I mean, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose to the winner. So you did it in blood yeah. and glory. Yeah. Um, he he uh, he's playing Slanesh, and uh, that game, that game. Oh, I always I always ask myself what if about that game because theoretically on paper I I, I should beat it, but um, sometimes the dice just go against you, and I failed like I want to say like eight nine spells with Croak with like plus three to cast, and sometimes you just go well. That's, you know, you can only screen so long. Those keepers will eventually get you. And uh, they did. They got me. <laughs> um, and then also game six at GT Final, I ended up playing Byron. Um, and his, uh, obviously this is uh, before the Orc War Clans book came out. and uh, uh, The d- smash CP, spam CPs into the, the Orcs. This was the uh, old cunning ruck. Yeah. There. The list he took to the um, ETC. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that exact one. And... It, it was a basically I deploy I lose scenario. Um, I think on the the stacking the CP he got he got nine five plus rolls on his uh, his Aether Quartz brooch. So um, each hit on a five plus became nine extra hits on those arrow boys, and there's nothing you can do about that. Um, it, it shot me off in practically a turn. Yeah. Um, that 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 was one of the most horrific games I've ever played in my life. Um, but thankfully, thankfully that list isn't around anymore. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of LGT, I, I guess it was the first time I'd ever sort of played the list, and um, obviously it wasn't optimized. And you know, you're still learning it, and you're still making mistakes. So I guess, I guess, Blood and Glory is sort of the culmination of um, my attempt to make Seraphon great again. We would cover the importance of practice in our in the first episode earlier. Yeah, it's important to practice and get those those games in and get those reps in before you go to a tournament. And if you don't, then actually sometimes tournaments are a good place to practice. If you just say, right, I didn't win that tournament, I only won two or three games. But actually, it's better practicing by playing a tournament. You know, playing a tournament rather is a form of practice in itself. Yeah, I'd, I'd argue it's even better because you know you you are, you are forced to play in that in those um, competitive conditions against players that um, are really on top of the game. You yeah, know? Play, the and players playing, are playing to the top of the game. The lists are probably at the top of the game. And not only that, yeah. you you've got the stress and the pressure of playing a tournament to a strict deadline with all the dramas going on and the kind of rubbish <laughs> night sleep and a travel lodge and probably a couple of beers too many the night before and all those kind of things rather than actually down your club against someone who isn't necessarily playing at the top of the game and, and actually is is it the most effective form of practice yeah yeah i mean totally N- nature and the environment is um ironically i think a big part of how you do it at a tournament it, it's it's about you know so many things as well positive mindset um and it, it's hard to have a positive mindset i find i, I win more games if i go i'm gonna win this game before i turn up yeah uh, I, I felt so empowered with my paradigms because i knew how strong the list was yeah yeah 
and the, the one game, you know, Blood and Glory, I look at Tom, um, Tom's list and I go, oh, actually, that's quite scary. And I, go, I turn up going, oh, I don't know about this. And then I, I play and I make mistakes and then you, you lose. And it's, I mean, obviously Tom's list is a cracker of a list, but the, you can't underestimate confidence. You're right. Knowing, you know, knowing your Pterodon list is going to smash it every time or at least give it a good, you know, good going is, is part, of the, part of the deal. And you turn up, you play, you know, with confidence. You can't underestimate it. Yeah, definitely. Mindset is a, is a key part to gaming. It's not only it's not only the list, it's not only you on the game and the rules, but it's also how you, how you game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Chuck totally. those dice with confidence. <laughs> yeah, um, and also yeah, get yourself some some dice you believe in as well. I use my line portents. Um, <laughs> right, they, we're uh... going to have to end end the podcast here. We're not releasing this. I didn't realize you're a Malai importance dice user. No, I um <laughs> uh yeah, they they're, they're, they're fine. They're fine. Um I don't believe they're almost sixes. They do. They're almost sixes. Um, <laughs> I just I don't do. believe they're almost sixes. I just don't use them for BattleShock. Yeah, I just I don't know. <laughs> Some other dice for that, no. Um yeah, yeah. So what what's next for the future? I noticed you've been to an event with Slanesh, uh, War in the Mortal Realms. Is that is that down at the um the London Babylon Cafe? Yeah, I've been to a few actually one day as Slanesh. My friends Traitor. Uh, oh no, well you know, I like Slan, so I thought logically Listen, however you justify it, you're still I like Slanesh, right? No, Slan, no, no, Judas. I'm not, not taking this. <laughs> well it why I've got um I've got one army from each kind of alliance and I I've never done a Chaos Army before. And I thought, um, my friends, uh, from, I'm from Bedford originally, um, and I had a few friends that were going to a 1K, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a 1,250 point event one day uh, in Milton Keynes at War Games Workshop. And uh, they were like, oh, go on, Matt, you can fit two keepers in, you know, you've been wanting to, you know, do a Chaos Army, do it, do it, do it. So I went, okay, fine, 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 I'll do it. And so I painted like two keepers and I don't know a few like Chaos Warriors and some House Striders or something. And um, yeah, I've never tasted such power. It, it is intoxicating. It is um, it is tempting, ironically, with Slanesh. It, it's it's busted as hell. It's you busted can see as hell. Like, <laughs> it is busted as hell. I'm saying it. That FAQ that is needed. Um, I've I've been to Slanesh. I've, I've been to Slanesh. I've um, I've been to several like one day is now with Slanesh. Um, and I've I've won all of them. I've been to like I think four one days for Slanesh, and I've won them now. Um, and I've 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 only lost like one game. Was all the all the games I've played with Slanesh? I've lost one game, and that was against Mr. Benjamin Sava, which I probably deserved it. Um, and it's just like uh, there's, there's not much you can do against it, and it it, 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 it beggars belief. I'm I'm actually lost for words on how powerful it is. Um, whether it will survive the nerf and become competitive, uh, I think it still probably will. Um, am I abandoning Seraphon? No. I, I reckon when that Seraphon book comes out, uh, it's going to be a glorious time, Dan. And I reckon Seraphon will be on the top tables where they deserve to be all the I, time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think the the book now, as you discussed right at the beginning, it's severely limited. It, there are yeah. there are a few select ways you can play it if you want to be able to go 4-1, and 5-0 at an event. If you're doing anything else, I think you're just accepting the fact that you're playing dinosaurs because you love dinosaurs riding other dinosaurs. Which I mean, is and, and, and awesome. to be fair, that's not a that's nothing to be ashamed of. No, um, but uh, this is the thing, as you say, you, you know, you, you said four and one before you said five and zero, oh, and I think that's, that's a key thing. It, it's such an old book that the power, the level of power creep we're in now, um, with with stuff like Bone Reapers and Slanesh, uh, I. 
unless you have perfect matchups, you're not going to go 5 0. You're going to go 4 1. There will always be something that bats it down. Oh, could have done um, it, Blood and Glory. I just left, didn't I? I went 4 0. He, oh, I didn't even, didn't even play my fifth game, did I? The Seraphon chat was on fire, and then you had to leave. I know. I was so upset. Game. The dream. The dream's still alive. The dream never died. No, you, you're right. The dream is still alive, um, and it's going to happen. I know I know. Um, Seraphon haven't done it, uh, in, or at least not to my memory, uh, at a big event uh, in recent memory. Oh, uh, uh, didn't they win Adepticon? Yes, yes, you're right, actually. Yes, they did. Um, yeah, last year they won Adepticon. The UK, in the UK, in the UK. Oh, in the UK. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, uh, I don't know what the Adepticon this was, um, but I can only assume that it was a combination of obviously great skill and good matchups. You need good matchups to go 5 over with Seraphon. Yeah, I think any tournament winner will, will, yeah. will say that. You know, the, yeah. the list, as you say, um, conditions, the environment, yeah. but mm-hmm. also matchups. Yeah. And obviously, there's nothing you can do about matchups. So <laughs> sometimes you just got to chalk it to the wind and go, yeah, you know, that happened and. And not let it affect you, and not let it question the list, because um, you know you don't want to jump shit from Seraphon or, or any army, I guess, um, just because you lost a game because I don't know you've questioned your list. If you question your list, I always say play another three games of it, and then if it's still losing, then maybe consider changing yeah, it. At least, absolutely, yeah. yeah, three games at least at the minimum. Yeah, you know, people are kind of chasing their aim almost. So adjusting mm. too much, adjusting the list too much, and then yeah. not yeah. seeing the kind of consistency and not, not adapting based on themes or adapting based off an event. <laughs> Which can, you know, sometimes be something stupid like, you know, you failed one armor save or you, I don't know, you lost a priority or whatever. You know, sometimes sometimes the dice just don't go your way. Sometimes, you know, that's how it is. It's a dice game. You, you've got to be able to take it on the chin, I guess, and not chase your tail um, over heavy mistakes. Absolutely. No point chasing your Dracothian's tail. No. <laughs> <laughs> you set me up for that one. I'm sorry. Oh, I couldn't resist. <laughs> right. So, okay. So talking about Seraphon in the future, what, what three mm. things would you like to see in, in a new Seraphon release? I think, I think Seraphon is prime territory for a juicy, cool terrain piece. Um, I'd like to see, I'd like to see, obviously, under the standard end of spells. I think some cool sub-factions, obviously, they're going to do all that stuff. It's the way that all the books are going. Um, in terms of what like the the list needs, I I'd need I'm I need <laughs> I'd love um, a big gribbly monster, something like truly scary that people can be like like a, I don't know like a more crusher or something that you put it on the table and people go oh my god you know that psychological um, like a, a plastic dreadsaurian essentially yeah yeah basically but but uh, good a better dreadsaurian <laughs> yeah. can you summon dreadsaurians you can you can they're like 40 something summoning points um and i i think i worked out with a friend once what's that the you, quickest way to do it i think you can do it in two turns if you get very lucky with the lord croak as your general and you have all the spells and all that um i think yeah but you have to do, get like, get it it has to go perfectly the rolls on the astrolith has to be perfect you have to get all the spells off um two turns you can get dreadsaurian if that's if that's your dream then you chase that dream. Um, Seraphon players out there, I want you to be the one to put someone on through this Dreadsaurian. Yeah, so if you can do it if you can do it in, two, in turn two, then there's no reason why you can't have a second on by turn four. Exactly. Exactly the, the right thinking there, Dan. Um, and so really, what I guess we're saying in this podcast is that all Seraphon players should have a minimum of two Dreadsaurians. A minimum of two Dreadsaurians, because you never board. want to be in the position where you could have summoned two Dreadsaurians, and you but, didn't. but couldn't and didn't. 
exactly. That's that's purely the reason I have two consoles. I don't. I never use them in this, but they're there they're in there, case, just in case, in case, in case they want to appear. Um, I think it's, it's quite a useful psychological tool. You just plonk your two Dread Saurians. Oh yeah, next to the table and say, I could summon two of these. You know, every every second turn, I could bring on a Dread Saurian. I um, I actually went to um. Uh, and all you do is summon skinks. <laughs> well, I went to a, a narrative event, um, a Battle for the Midnight Tomb at Warhammer World recently. Uh, and there yeah, was, with uh, there was a... Steve, Steve Foote went to that with his um, spinny little skaven drill. Yes, um, and I think it was his son, actually, um, who plays. Uh, was playing Seraphon. Yeah, and he ben, had two ben. Dreadsaurians. Ben, that's it, yes. Yeah, he had two Dreadsaurians, and that was... Oh, it looked so cool, honestly. And I, I was getting... I was like, oh, God, I wish I had one Dreadsaurian. And, and obviously, if for anyone that looks at the Dreadsaurian rules... They're terrible. They're so bad um, for the points you pay and, you know, uh, I guess the size of them. You look at the corn dragon and you go, you look at the rules and you go, oh, my God, they're about the same size. They should be they should be similar. But, you know, they are cool. And I, I got serious Dreadsaur and Envy. I'll tell you, Dan. I, yeah. might, I might buy one. They're, they're <laughs> too cool not to have. They are. They are. Um, and who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll get better rules. Who knows? Fair one. So Big Ribby, <laughs> that's for one thing. Two more things. Um, this is like a, an Aladdin's magic lamp of, of is, Seraphon. Um, I'd like... I would like a sort of mid... Either like a, a large... I don't know, like... Um, I want to say Saurus Guard Plus, uh, something that's like a really like killy unit. Um, I think I think there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a unit that Seraphon lacks, and that is sort of the um, I want to call it the the Blade Geist Reverent category of um, units that are really like expensive points, but just good. Do you know what I mean like a solid unit that can just compete in combat? I think Saurus Guard could be that unit. I think they could with some tweaks. Make Saurus um, two points, uh, two wounds, two wounds, yeah. And yeah, Soros guards hey, three wounds, maybe, but make, but make them expensive. Yeah, so you're not uh, taking hordes of them, but they are chunky. They are chunky boys. Yeah, yeah like like in the, the half guard berserker sort of um, you know unit thing. So they need some sort of either is either a change your right to to Soros guard or some sort of you know new unit that fulfills that function. Because if if you, I mean, what's the like this new unit? Where does it exist between Soros guard and Croxagol? Yeah, something like that, I guess. Because um, yeah, I think you you could chunk up Cro- you could chunk up Saurus Guard to make them kind of almost like mini Croxagor in terms yeah. of chunkiness, and then you know, do- or something you know maybe like a um, if we're going into sort of you know elite chunky beefy killy tanky thing, uh, maybe something like a, an a, an Evocator on Dracoline, like a heavy cavalry sort of you know Blood mm. Knight something like that, something that fulfills that that um, unit hammer role. So but, Saurus uh, Knights not enough. What you mean is Croxagor Knights. Yes, Crocs. I'd like Croxigors on um, maybe maybe running two cold ones each. Yeah, on one foot, foot on each. Yeah, <laughs> uh, something like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe you get like a, a, a dual kit. That they're riding one's riding salamanders, one are riding. I don't know something like that. Um, maybe <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You, you never know. Uh, you never know. <laughs> you never know. There's nothing though with Seraphon. There's there's such. I know this. There's so much potential. Because not only are they dinosaurs, and you can do anything yeah. you want with dinosaurs, but they're also magic space dinosaurs. Exactly. So they're not actually uh, dinosaurs. They are just like figments of the imagination. And the problem is, the Slan's memory is o- it's only imagining things that existed in Warhammer Fantasy Battle f- yogs ago, <laughs> ten years ago. Bless the Slan. They're not. They're not. Um, they're, they're not, not very imagina- imaginative, are they? They've got a good no. imagination to yeah. to summon all these things from memory, 
but they yeah. could just pretend they remembered a good Dreadsorian. Yeah, they need to like they need to they need a new business model. They need to rethink, you know, what they're doing. They need to they need to imagine something. And this will probably be my third one. They need to imagine a dedicated shooting unit, um, a long range. You know, I want to say like uh, Mortec crawler, <laughs> um, something like that. I think I think we need. Just a good, a good solid shooting unit. Not, not, not super powerful. Um, that I, I, that- to be honest, I, I'd be tempted to. You could really re-roll the existing range. So suddenly, yeah. the bolt thrower on top of the stegodon is like a magic bolt thrower that does some significant punch. Exactly. Or, or you know, or you've got the bastelodon, of course. You know, that, that does something similar, doesn't it? You know, yeah. you just maybe you put add change to range on that. We were, yeah. talk, we were talking about having a punch unit, so you just re-roll temple guard and you put them on three wounds rather than and have. Soros as two, you know, you you want cavalry something that's fast and hitty, right? We'll just make Soros knights good. Yeah, they would they could do with a new model, but there's actually there's yeah, no I, need to replace any of those models. Yes, dual yeah. kit for Sally's and Bas- um, razors, but yeah, I think I think they need some kit updates. But I think you're quite right to be honest that a lot of the um, I guess the the problems of the book could be fixed easily by rerolling units and um, uh, yeah, changing up the war scrolls. I'd love, um, I'd love to see a from the ground up kind of rewrite, like fundamentally change the whole the whole book. You know, to just try would, something different. Yeah, it would certainly be very interesting. I think I think a lot of a lot of players would be like, oh, but I think eventually, it would, you know, it would find its place. Yeah, but um, players are always like that. You know, you remove Thunderquake Star Host, you remove Shadow Strike. No, <laughs> but no, all these things, all these things get removed because yeah. Shadow Strikes not going to survive no because just purely because of the wording and they need to update all the wording on on the stuff you're, you're quite right yeah so um, so yeah why not I, raise it all to the ground remember it all from scratch that's my that's my <laughs> vote and hopefully they remember some sort of busted sub-faction in there, in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, i would quite like to see a nice balanced mix of sub-factions that oh, you actually have to think about which ones you take or I'm, they're all credible oh. <laughs> and all relevant but depending on which build you went for so there's a sub-faction that's really good for x there's a sub-faction that's really really good for y there's not a single sub-faction that is like plus one to save that everyone takes yeah yeah I've, yeah i mean there's the rules you know i think i think the ogre's book got it got it reasonably on the nose mm. uh, and i i mean obviously slaves isn't out but from judging by what it is it's going to be i think hopefully a good book as well it looks it looks to be like um you know a good book although wasn't a dark prophecy they need to fix that um but yeah, I think yeah, as long as it's not bone reapers, we're fine, really. You know, like that's all of um, where everything's a different flavor of busted because um, it's just not healthy for the game, really. And ultimately, we all love the game in the end. Yeah, and it's it's good to have strong things. It's not yeah. good to have overly ridiculous things. That's you know that's my take on it. But at the rate that the message adapts and the rate that the you know games workshop respond to things, you know, Slanesh is going to get responded to. It's been confirmed. And yep. it'll be it'll genuinely be really interesting to to see what happens to that, and uh, you know players will have to you know like yourself will have to stop using them as a crutch and have to go back to playing real armies. <laughs> hey, hey, Seraphon is still my main. I'm still a Seraphon main. <laughs> still a Seraphon at heart. At heart, always. Right. Two um, final questions then. Yeah. And this is something that you are you're the first uh, guest to be asked these questions because we oh, didn't God. we didn't ask them to Luke uh, on the first episode. So uh, it's a pair of questions. And yep. it's something that I've stolen, I think, from Jez Goodwin. It was in a White Dwarf once. <laughs> if you could protect one thing about Age of Sigmar and never have it change, 
what would it be? And if you could only change one thing about AOS and the rest of the game would never change, what would that be? So first thing, what would you protect about AOS, AOS and never have it change? Oh my God, that's such a hard question. That's um... why I sent you these on a show note so you'd have an answer. <laughs> you didn't send me these questions. <laughs> oh, no, totally... hang on, there's a read more. I totally did. Oh my God, I didn't even know you could do that on WhatsApp. I'm new to WhatsApp, sorry. <laughs> uh... We're definitely keeping this bit. In. Okay. Right, so I'm, I'm surprise questions. Um, okay, here we go. Um, okay, one thing I could, I could, I would change. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could protect one thing about AOS okay. and never have it change. So let's say edition three is coming out. Yeah. Uh, and every, every, again, re, rewrite from the ground up. What what one thing about AOS at the moment would you would you keep safe? I would keep safe Slanesh. <laughs> um, no. Uh, if we're talking about the core game, I would keep safe Lookout Sir. Yeah. I think. The introduction of Lookout Sir has, because um, before I'm, I think AOS one, I found all my cool characters died way too soon, and I like cool characters, and I don't want them to die so soon. And ultimately, it's it's a fun game with cool models, isn't it? And I think Lookout Sir just was a great idea. I, I think obviously you're a 40k player, um the whole 40k thing uh, goes because it's, it's you can't shoot a character if they're the closest, isn't it? Yes, but, right, but, uh, but you, they've got to have yeah. a certain number of wounds and you can't shoot if they're not yeah. closer. So it, it completely locks them out. It's not just a minus one. Yeah, I think that's not not realistic. But um, like if, you know, if we were to play out this cool battle in real life. Um, but I think I think Lookout Sir is uh, an important part of um, keeping a lot of lists viable and keeping, I think, the game in actually a weirdly healthy, healthy state. Because I think there's so many armies out there that without Lookout Sir would actually be a real disadvantage from just the characters being um, shot off by the smallest things, by skate javelins, by, you know, random stuff. And I think it should be a lot duller of a game. It forces it forces people to... to I know, it, it keeps... The, this. There are things in the game that, is, like Lookout Sir, keep forcing this combat meta to survive... And that's the, that's the cool bit about the game. The best games are always the ones where, you know, you've got this, this big smash up in the middle, isn't it? Or, you know, you've got these two cool carriages going one to one or, you know, big monsters colliding into big units. And um, and obviously shooting is, as we know, fun and interactive. Um, uh, I mean, <laughs> no offense to Hello Heart. But you know, it's no. Yeah, yeah it's, no, you don't no, mind if if you've got a, like a a more crusher cr- crunches into your unit of Saurus Guard and wipes yeah. off half them. You don't mind because it's a massive orc war boss riding a grumpy cabbage. Yeah, like, you you expect it. You go, yeah, that's uh, cool. cool. Whereas like you've got like yeah. you know a unit of six Skyfires or a load of adjudicators or something you're just like that's just annoying yeah you you, you want you'll be 20 gutter runners to just appear and go oh your wizard's dead you know because i chuck some stones at it it's like oh okay <laughs> and if you could only change one thing about aos and the rest of the game is never going to change forever what would it be double turn i would get rid of the double turn i think if you get rid of the double turn it fixes slanesh it fixes um bone reapers i think it fixes a lot of things um, I think consequently you'd have to re-figure out deployment, deployment, and um, uh, I guess set up and all that. But I think, I think ironically, the double turn. I, I think it's just a little bit too much randomness for my liking. I know there are a lot of people out there that would defend the double turn, and I can totally see, you know, the the cons and uh, sorry, the, the pros of the double turn. Um, Obviously, getting a double turn is fantastic. Um, but if you take out the double turn and you suddenly go, okay, now I'm not going to get attacked by Keepers of Secrets and then suddenly attacked by Keepers of Secrets again and there's nothing I can do about it. It, it always, against those armies that are, you know, really powerful in combat and really like, 
up there on the power level um if it give if it gives you a chance to do something about it every time to react to it um it, it's only it, whether whether slanesh is too powerful or not is, is another question but it, it suddenly um feels more like a game um does that make sense it yeah, feels like it makes sense i mean it's a dangerous right. thing to say because what you're saying yeah. is removing the priority role <laughs> so Obviously. i mean I've, i would have to change the name of the podcast if we did podcast. that so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it would suddenly be very very dated yeah um Obviously, I wouldn't. I would never wish you change the name of your role. It's a great name. Um, no, that's the point. So we, I, I, I'm, I won't be commenting on, on anyone's responses on, on my opinion because it's it's very much a platform to you to sort of say, you know, what what things about the game that you love and, and you like to see change. So you know, if if that's yeah, that's your bag. That's absolutely. I think that's. Uh, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if there's other players in AOS that have similar feelings and some that, as you say, feel you know super positive and and really like the priority role and the mechanic mm. there. Well, I, I mean, like. I'm, I mean, I, I say this from a position of having, you know, having played Slanesh and it, it's it's when you double turn someone with Slanesh or, you know, an army like Ben Reith or something like that, you you just feel bad. Like you don't feel good playing it. You just go, oh, you know, I, I mean, obviously you, you always want to play to win, I guess, if you're competitive like me, then but it, it, it's not a game anymore. It's just like you, you take off your models and it's like. So having having said having yeah. said I won't comment, I will ask one question. Go for it. So is the problem the priority mechanic, or is the problem those armies? Ah, maybe mm. what maybe one not to answer. Just a, a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, GW, come on, <laughs> <laughs> calling you out. Right, any any shout outs? Twitter handle, Instagram, all that jazz. Uh, Clubs. Obviously, I'll shout out the South London Legion boys. I moved to London. Uh, I want to say for for uh, for drama school and university. And obviously, I was very busy when I was doing that. But when I sort of, you know, emerged from university and uh, I got got my time back, the the guys there and, and the guys at the Bad Mood Cafe, so Hugh and Will, the people that run that, um, uh, it, it, it was almost an, an immediate community and uh, very welcoming and the very great players. And it, it's really the people at South London Legion and the people I've played at Bad Moon over this past year or so um, have really forced me to up my game um, in not only in a, in, a, in a really friendly environment and uh, I've made some some great friends and yeah I'm, I'm now going to like uh, some, uh, some I'm going to Brotherhood with some of them in January so I'm really looking forward to that um I'm sure that'll be a great event and it's yeah I, I just want to say uh cheers for the warm welcome guys and uh yeah let's let's play some Warhammer <laughs> let's throw some dice and play some Warhammer on that happy note um oh do you want to do Twitter are you on Twitter or anything like that uh yeah I'm on Twitter at M Gouldsborough Good luck spelling it. Um, it's uh, G-O- uh, at M-G-O-U-L-D-E-S-B-R-O-U-G-H. Um, if you like the occasional Warhammer slash theatre-related tweets, um, hit me up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I suppose all that remains, Matthew, is to say thank you very much for joining us. And uh... Thank you very much, Dan. I look forward, look forward to seeing how your team do at Brotherhood. That's the second episode in a row that Tomlin's event has got a mention. So it's basically well, like... I think a lot of people in the community are very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. I'm almost tempted to go and watch. Do, come. You know, cheer Seraphon on. Not that, not that I'm ter- taking Seraphon. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure it'd be a great one. You know what? Uh, you know a Seraphon list that would be very, really, really, really good in the matchup, in, a, in an event where you could kind of pick your matchups? In a team... Oh, you know uh, what? You know what list would be really good. Ripodactyls. No, not Ripodactyls. Tyrodactyls. No. <laughs> Ripodactyls. Definitely, they do great against Flanesh. I've heard. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, Pterodons. Pterodons. Yeah. I'm. I'm tempted to be honest. I am tempted, but 
I don't want to pay 18 pterodons right now. So. 21, 21, get it right. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you need 21. I don't know if that's uh, optimised, but we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. Right, in that case, uh, Matthew, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, until next time, catch in a bit. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Priority Roll. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at Priority Roll on both Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email, priorityrollpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority roll and leave us a voice message. If you want to leave us some feedback, we're always looking to improve, or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows, then feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Priority Roll. Priority Roll.